Well, I think I'm going to go back just a little bit here to, to begin with in time. The year I graduated from high school in 1982, there was a popular song that was entitled Passing the Faith Along that was released about that time. Some of you might be familiar with it. It's, it's not what I'm going to really be talking about uh, this morning as far as music and that sort of thing, but, but it is interesting how music and words can stick with you. You know, here it is some 30 years later, and even though I hadn't heard the song, there were some words of that song that popped into my mind here recently. And uh, I guess it also, you know, that, that makes a case also for us that we need to be careful, you know, what we, what we listen to because, because it is going to affect you on down, on down the road. It, those, those songs, those words, the music, it's, it's going to come back to you. So we need to be careful what we listen to. Um, you know, the, the, the words of the lyrics to that song, they, they hold a lot more importance to me now than they did then when I listened to it. Back then, when I was a young adult um, at eight, of 18 years old, you know, I thought that, you know, the, the song appealed to me more from the, uh, from the music and more from the melody standpoint. I didn't, I didn't really, that I remember, I don't think I really thought about the words and the lyrics that much, but, but yet they did come back to me. And, uh, and I didn't realize it at the time, but I was on the, the song was called Passing the Faith Along. I was on the receiving end of the faith being passed on to me. And, uh, you know, that, that faith was passed on to me. And I want to I read a few lines of the song. I'm, I'm just going to read the first, uh, you know, the beginning words of the chorus and then, then also the first verse. It goes like this, passing the faith along to my brother and then helping to build the faith of another, sharing a word of hope with my brother, helping to make him strong. And then there's, there's some lines and, and words that are repeated. And then the words of the first verse go like this. The runner of a relay finds in his baton purpose for the running and strength to carry on. We hold within our grasp the faith that makes us strong. And like the relay runner, we seek to pass it on. Um, in the words of that first verse there, it talks about running a relay race. And I don't know if any of you have ever run a, a relay race or if you've ever seen a relay race, but I want to describe it to you a little bit what a relay race is all about. Um, we, we went to a school where they had, I guess, different, you know, we, we did some competition with other schools. And in that relay race, there's, it's a team of four runners. And the runners, they would run around an oval track. You've probably seen those at high schools and different places like that. But on that track, there's, there's lanes for each runner to run on. Each, each team has a certain lane that they have to run on. And each runner in the relay race, he carries a baton. It's a short stick about this long and about this big around. And he'll carry that in his hand and, and he'll run. And they pass the baton on to the next runner. So the first person starts off, and then he'll pass it on to the next one. After one, he'll make one lap or, or two laps, depending on the length of the race. 
And then the baton is passed off in a marked area. There's a certain area where they have to pass that baton off to, and you have to do it in that designated length. And if I, if I, if I would close my eyes as I was preparing for this, I could almost close my eyes, and, and I can still just about see the runners of our team at school, and I don't know if I have it exactly in the right order, but from what I remember, Zendel, he was the leadoff runner. He was the second fastest runner at school, and uh, he ran one lap, and then he handed off the baton to his cousin Delton, who was now on the track waiting for Zendel. So, you know, Delton didn't come out into the track till after Zendel had just about made, you know, completed his lap. And then at the appointed time, Delton, he would begin running before Zendel caught up to him. And Delton held back his left hand like this, and he'd be running, you know, and, and he held back his left hand, and as Zendel caught up to him, he would place the baton with his right hand into Delton's left hand, and they would make that exchange. And th this handoff, this was practice and practice and practice. It was over and over again, it was practice, until they could do it flawlessly, um, without a flaw. And the goal was to do it at top speed, so they practiced that so that they so that Delton took off at the right time so that Zendel, you know, could catch up with him and they, you know, so he wasn't left behind there or whatever. But anyhow, they, they, they practiced that on this handoff. Then Delton, he would race around the track, do his part of this, this race, and he would hand it off to Clayton, who was now on the track waiting for him. Clayton, he was, uh, he was a tall, very athletic, fella, and, and he ran with long strides, and, and he could really cover some ground. And then the baton was handed off, Delton would hand off the, the baton to Clayton, who would, you know, he would take off, and I, I might mention here that during the time the runners were running, the baton had to be changed from the left hand, remember they, he, he received it in his left hand, and he would have to change it from his left hand to his right hand sometime during the course of that running, and uh, <clears throat> at this point in the race, with the third runner, you know, as Clayton would be running, he could usually see who the competition was. You know, the competition was either real close or someone was in, in front of him, or, you know, it, you could usually see what the competition was like. So the next handoff was really critical. It was, you know, because generally it was a real close race, and it was really critical for that handoff to be done really crisply. The last man was Stan, and he could run, you could say, run like the wind. He was the fastest at school, and uh, he was the one chosen to run the 100-yard dash. He was, if anyone could close the gap between, you know, if there was a gap to be closed, Stan could win the race because he was Stan. He was really fast. But off, you know, his nickname was Stan the Man. He was the one that was, uh, he, he could do it. And from time to time, it did happen, the thing that no one wanted to happen. Uh, the baton was fumbled, it was dropped, and you know, it was kind of like, it was the no-no of the race. And you know, your first thought, you know, if that did happen, was that you know, there's no chance now to catch up with the other teams, especially if the teams were of equal talent and equal, you know, the, you know, if, they were, if they were equal abilities. I'm going to leave that idea for right now, and I'm going to come back to it later. But in, in the in the relays, in the relay race, the goal was not only to finish, 
but it was to win. The goal was to compete by running fast and handing the baton to the next runner and to do it in a flawless manner so that the baton wasn't dropped. And, and each runner had to do their part. It wasn't just one person running the race. It was, it was four people winning or running the race. So, so they all had to work together. They all won the race together. So races in life, they're, they're, they're used uh, comparably several times in Scripture. And I'd like to use some of the same analogies as we compare a re- relay race to our lives. So I'd like for you to turn to... Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, and we'll uh, look about look at this scripture here as it talks about Paul running a race. Philippians chapter 2, I'm just going to read verses 12 to 16. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. <clears throat> so I think it's clear here that, that Paul's goal was that he wanted to finish his part in the race of life well. He wanted to finish that race with excellence. And his desire was to hand off the baton crisply to the next runner, or we could say the next generation, and involved in finishing the race well was, it was Paul's purpose in life. And I think in that purpose, he showed that having love to a weaker brother, to the church, to the others in their spiritual walk, it's more important than his own self. Verse 12 says that we are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, because as mature Christians, we are responsible if we cause someone else to stumble, and that should cause us to have fear and trembling as we work out our salvation. And so, some of the biggest hindrances to our, our race, I think, is obedience and submission to Christ, as well as murmuring, you know, discontentment, disputing, strife, strife within the church body. But in the end, the race of life, it's not it's not done with just us finishing. There, there's more to that race in life with just us finishing our race. Um, or our, our le- our finishing our leg of the race. There, there's more to run in the race. Our purpose, like Paul's in verse 16, is to hand the faith on to the next and then on to the next person. But we also need to practice. We need to prepare for the in, that inevitable, that important handoff. There, there's going to be a handoff. As you're running that race, you know that there's going to be that handoff. And we have to prepare for it, just like the relay runners do with their handoff of the baton. And it gave Paul joy to see that he had not run in vain, that the next generation, that they were running well. It, get, it gave Paul a lot of joy with that. 
And as I've mentioned, involved in running a relay race is practicing. You practice how to hand off the baton, your timing, how to pace yourself, etc., and, and all the things that go along with, with, with running. And we also need to practice by helping those who run with us in life, by searching the scripture with our fellow runners like the Bereans did in Acts 17:11. We need to do it by teaching the word to those that are interested. And uh, Paul, he spent a lot of time in teaching. I didn't realize it was quite as much time, but in Acts 18:11, it says that he stayed in Corinth for one and a half years just teaching. He was there teaching for one and a half years. In Acts 28.31, Paul was in Rome for two, and a, two years, and the Bible says that he was teaching there also. That's all that he did. So while Paul was teaching, he was, he was building his fellow future runners. His, uh, in essence, he was, he was practicing and he was he was preparing for that handoff that was going to be coming. And all of us, you know, we also need encouragement along the way as we run the race of life. You know, we as, we as schoolmates, we would cheer on our team as they ran. You know, though, though we all know that we each have individual races to run, we often lose sight of how our race, it's connected to everyone else's around us. You know, the, each one of us, you know, we're running a race also. And as, as we labor in that race, <clears throat> we, need to be, uh, we need to be on the sidelines, encouraging them. We need to be giving them, giving them hope and encouraging them just as, as we were on the sidelines, encouraging our team to, to run the relay race. And I think Jesus, he set a good example of encouraging us on. In numerous occasions, he said, you'll find in the Bible where it says, be of good cheer. Or in our words, we might say, you know, don't let it get you down. You, you've got this. You know, we, we encourage our brothers and sisters. And I remember one, one year as our team ran in their race, they lost to the, to the big school. It was the big school you know, they, they always had lots of students. And of course, they had, they had all the good athletes and they could really choose who they wanted. So when the last race was run, was run by the best teams that had won their heats, their different, there was different heats that were run. The last race was a combination of all the best, the best teams then. So our school wasn't in that because they had lost to the big school. And so our school was rooting for the, the more of the smaller schools, the ones that we were hoping that would beat the big team, the big school in the final race. So the team we were rooting for, it started good, and they were leading. You know, they they, they took off and they were they were they were in the lead. This was a smaller school that was running. And uh, but then the unthinkable happened. You know, this this team that was in the lead. In the, in the second handoff, I believe it was, they dropped the baton. And I can still remember and still just about picture it, you know, how almost a groan went up from the crowd. It's this, uh, you know, from our schools, we, we were, you know, we were rooting for this team. But, you know, this runner, 
and that didn't stop him. You know, he, he quickly went back, picked up the baton, and of course he looked ahead and he saw that he was now in last place. The other runners were way ahead of him. And he took off, and by, you know, by all indications, like I said, this was the best, the best team, and they, 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 ha- they should have been the winners of this race. And so they, uh, they, they had all the excellent, all the fast runners, but now they were in last place. But they set their eyes on winning, even though they were in last place, even though they had dropped the baton. And they slowly caught up, and uh, I remember they passed the last runner, so now they were in third place. And all of a sudden, you realize that this team's back in the, they're, they're back in the race, you could say. I can still remember how the last runner, as, uh, as, as this last place, you know, the, the team that had dropped the baton, how he was, uh, they, they handed it off and they were slowly closing that gap. And, and then the fourth runner of the, of the team, as he took the baton, he was, still had a, little, a good little distance to gain on the first runner, the, the lead runner, and, and that lead runner was from the big school. And uh, it was just about like he was gaining on him about like this right here. He was, he was closing the gap really fast. And I wish I could say that even now, 35 years later or whatever, I wish I could say that that, that, uh, that team won, but they didn't win. They, uh, you know, the big school still won. But uh, the thing that I would like to remember, like for you all to remember is that and emphasizes the grit and determination that we all have to have when the baton is dropped. From time to time, that baton of faith, it is dropped, and we we have to make up lost ground. We have to cover the lost ground to make up for 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 what was dropped. And there's numerous things that can cause us to drop the baton of faith. I'd like for you to turn to Galatians chapter five. Galatians, Galatians chapter 5, I'm going to read verses 6 to 9. This mentions uh, one way that, that we can drop the baton of faith. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, for in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith with, which worketh by love. Ye did run well, who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Okay, here in verse uh, 6 it says that faith must work with love. Just as if you remember a couple weeks ago when I was speaking, I talked about how knowledge must work with love. Here, faith must work with love, and it just reminds me again how important 1 Corinthians 13 is, where it talks about love and how love must work with everything. It's, it's, love is so critical, it's so true. And in verse 7, it says that they were running well, but then they dropped the baton, so to speak. They were hindered by those that were trying to tell them not to obey the truths in the Bible, and just as the verse says there, how it says how little leaven 
will leaven the whole loaf of bread, so will a little persuasion, in verse 8 it mentions that, a little persuasion of the wrong theology, of the wrong teaching, it can cause us to fumble the baton of faith. But, you know, we, we do know that God, who is always faithful, he'll, he'll bring us back to the truth in one way or another. You know, God's going to be faithful. If we do drop that baton of faith, God's going to bring us back if we're willing to strive and if we're willing to run for him. He's, he's going he's gonna to help us. And I think we need to be like King Josiah. When the book of the law was found in the temple by Hilkiah and then... I think it was Shaphan, he read to the king the book of the law. And when Josiah heard the book of the law that had been lost for a long time, it had been dropped, Josiah, he rent his clothes and he commanded that all the evil, idolatrous temples, all the idols, all the groves be torn down. And, and God was faithful to that group of people, uh, to King of Josiah, and he brought the word of the law to him. The, the baton can so easily be dropped by one generation. Uh, when you think of Joshua, you don't think of someone that, um, that is weak in the faith. But, but it, was, it was dropped in Joshua's days. It's that when, when Joshua died in Judges 2, verses 10 and 11, it says that there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. I have to wonder, what is, what's history going to say about, about us? What's history going to say about you personally? Um, like I said, Joshua, we don't think of someone that would easily drop the baton, but somewhere it got dropped. It didn't get passed on as well as from Moses to Joshua. Someone once said, mistakes in one Christian's generation are often magnified in the next nominal generation. I think that's very true. What we skim over, what we compromise on, what we no longer place value on, what we don't cherish, it loses its value in the next generation because it wasn't taught. And I think we, it's a must that we must know the Lord, we must talk about God, we need to walk with him, our children and the next generation, they, they, they must see it in us, and they in turn need to personally know what God is doing in their lives, and they need to experience him working in their lives. The second verse of the song goes like this, countless generations of saints have come and gone, a spark ignites as an ember fades, and the flame continues on. A challenge for the young and assurance for the old, the flame burns even brighter each time our story's told. And I think God has, has many ways of reaching the unlost and those that haven't heard the gospel of faith, the gospel of salvation by Jesus. And there's, there, there's no limitation set on, on God. He uses a lot of different ways that he can reach people. He uses us, his children, his servants, I think as his foremost and his primary way of passing the faith on, but God can use any different number of ways to pass that faith on. 
So, you know, who are we to pass the faith on to exactly? The unreached and the, the lost, you know, I've already mentioned that, you know, that's obvious that we need to pass the faith on to them. But we need to also pass it on to our families. We read in 2 Timothy 5 how Timothy's mother and grandmother, they did this. They, they passed the faith on to Timothy. And oftentimes this God, the heritage that is passed down to us, it's forgotten and it's taken for granted. Psalms 103.17 talks about the blessings that we receive because of the godly lies that our parents and our grandparents lived. You know, we receive a blessing from, that God, from the godly lives that our parents and grandparents, you know, live before us. And we take that for granted. And I think we also have a responsibility to those in our church family. We need to pass the faith on to those in our church family because they're depending on us also. There, there's been some recent studies done, and it's been found that for the parents' faith to stick with a youth, that youth needs five significant relationships in their life. Of course, the first significant relationship needs to be the parents, and then the second one is a leader or a pastor or someone that's leading out in their life. And then the other three, they need to, the three additional adults need to be people, adults who know their name, Adults who will approach them and ask them about their life, ask them about their school, people that will speak blessings, encouragements over them as they grow. And, you know, that's, that could be each one of us. That it's a part that we can play in the youth in our, in, that we're connected with. But sadly, not every youth has these five people in their lives. So we as a community and network of believers, you know, we, we do have a responsibility to the next generation, wherever we are in life. I mean, you, you could be, it doesn't necessarily have to be a, 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 an adult, but it could be um, a friend of yours that, that you need to be connected with. And it's an area in my life I know that I want to grow more in is, is just be, you know, connecting with people in, in their lives. So we have this privilege to pass on the baton of faith. What, what is that faith made up of? It should be made up with the words of God. It should be based on the word of God. Those words contained in the Bible, those spoken and recorded words, those actions that are recorded in the Bible. The faith should be made up of God's laws that have, that have been passed down through the ages by other faithful generation. And it's the Bible that is the common denominator that we all need to go back to if we get off course, if the baton is dropped. We all need to go back to the Bible as a common denominator. There's several things that we can do um, practically to help pass the baton crisp, crisply on to others and, and to not fumble that baton. Most of us, you know, we're familiar with uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7 to 9, where, where it talks about how we're to teach our children diligently when we're sitting, when we're walking, when we're lying down, when, even when we're getting up. It should be the foremost thing in our lives and in our minds as we look for teachable moments in life. And that teachable period of time, it, it just seems to go by so quickly 
But we don't need to despair if we've missed some of those chances. Verse 20 to 25 in Deuteronomy 6, it tells about how we're supposed to share our testimony of how God worked in our lives. If we're asked, why do you do what you do? Then use that opportunity to share your testimony with people. We can testify of how the Lord worked in our lives and sharing our testimony, it's, it's one way that we can, we can pass the faith on, even if we've missed that opportunity, that, 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 that teachable period of time with our children at a young age. Another practical way to pass the faith on is to simply, by reading regularly, the Word of God to those that would hear. I want to read how, how Moses did it. Turn to uh, Deuteronomy 31. Deuteronomy chapter 31, I want to read verses 9 to 13. And this is how Moses passed the faith on, how he, how he was diligent in doing this. Starting in verse 9. <clears throat> and Moses wrote this law and delivered it unto the priests, the sons of Levi, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and unto all the elders of Israel, and Moses commanded them, saying, At the end of every seven years, in the solemnity of the year of release, in the Feast of the Tabernacles, when all Israel is come to appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose, thou shalt read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Gather the people together, men and women and children, and thy stranger that is within the gates, that they may hear and that they may learn and fear the Lord your God, and observe to do all the words of this law, and that their children, which have not known anything, may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as ye live in the land whither ye go over Jordan to possess it. <clears throat> I think it's the same principle that he used that we can use also as we uh, pass that faith on. It's by reading God's word regularly that his truths and his promises are not forgotten. And I'm glad that we do that here at church, and, and we also need to do it at home on a regular basis. Just read that, read God's Word. We also need to simply just teach. Um, in John 7 14, it says, Now about the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and he taught. Period. That, that, it, it ends with that. Jesus just taught. We learn by being taught. So let's, let's be diligent in teaching. Let's be diligent in teaching to those around us. Let's not stumble and falter in the handoff with thoughts and myths like, you know, it, it's all going to work out by and by. Or, I just don't think it's worth the effort. You know, those, those are lies from the devil. And the eternity of someone else's soul may very well, in part, rest in, in yours or in my hands if, if we're not diligent. In closing, I'd like to turn to uh, Psalms 145, and I want to read seven verses there. I'm going to start with uh, verses four to seven, so if you want to turn there, Psalms 145.
One generation shall praise thy works to another, and shall declare thy mighty acts. I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty, and of thy wondrous works. And men shall speak of the might of thy terrible acts, and I will declare thy greatness. They shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness, and shall sing of thy righteousness. In verse 1, I will extol thee, my God, O King. I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. And then 3 John 4 also puts it plainly when he says, I have no greater joy than to hear my children walk in the truth. And I know that's, that's certainly true for, for me and also I think it holds true with us as a brotherhood of believers. There's no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. Thank you.